hard, and you do it so well. Thank you. Speaking of Amber's daughter, Jamie told me about Addie wanting gum, Amber. Okay, I'm going to tell the story. Jamie was telling me a while ago, you know, their little girl, Addie. How old's Addie? Five, four, five, five? Whatever. Uh, I, I think they were on their way to, to church. Uh, maybe this morning. I'm, I'm not sure, but recently for sure. And he said, Addie was so funny. She's sitting in the back of the car in her car seat. And she says, Mom, Dad, I need gum. And they said, well, Addie, we'll, we'll see. A little while. Mom, Dad, I need gum. So, well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get you some gum, Addie. A little while later. True story. I need gum. I said, Addie, okay, we'll, we'll see about getting you some gum, but why, why are you so insistent this morning on getting gum? And she said, Pastor preaches so long. <laughs> mm. Bonnie, is that why you always have a big pack of gum when you come on Sundays and take care of that? We have been studying a series that I've entitled The Real Jesus. And I call it that because many people today have misconceptions about Jesus. And I have documented that at the beginning of each of these messages. Two so far, this is the third. And this morning I'm going to document that again. Because it is a fact that many people today have the wrong idea about Jesus. And I'm going to document that by reading from an article. I'm not going to read the entire article, but I'm going to read a pretty good bit of the article. It won't be boring, I can assure you of that. And we'll we'll have a a lot of it on on the screen behind me. Uh, But this article, I think, really accurately states how a lot of people feel about Jesus. And it is a misconception. And what we're trying to do in this series is set the record straight. Because you might be here this morning. and You might have a misconception about Jesus. And that could be very detrimental to you here in this life and the life to come. So let's begin by reading this article. The article begins, Misconceptions about God and Jesus are common among non-believers. The idea that God is a, and this is their terminology, and I'm going to use it throughout the message, but it's not my terminology, it's the unsaved people. The idea that God is a cosmic killjoy, that's the misconception, and wants to ruin all of our fun, is one of the most frequently encountered misconceptions among skeptics of Christianity. This is one of non-believers' biggest misconceptions of Jesus, that Jesus, you know, I don't want to be a Christian because you Christians don't have any fun. You preachers preach against everything, especially you Baptist preachers. And, you know, I want to have fun, and if I become a Christian, and especially if I'm a member of your church, I won't have any fun. But folks, understand, that simply is not true. Let's read on. You see, Jesus, in this article is correct, puts fun into two basic categories. There's harmless, nourishing fun, and there's fun that breaks commandments or sinful fun. 
Oh, there's no doubt sin can be fun. For many people, the knowledge that they're doing something God forbids adds to their fun. They're not afraid of God. They're going to do whatever they want and as often as they want. And since they haven't been hit by lightning yet, they think that, you know, it's okay and they're going to keep on doing it. But we read on. But since he's God, Jesus knows a lot of things we don't. He knows that sinful fun always has bad consequences. Those consequences may not show up immediately, maybe not even for years, but they will show up. When it comes to sin, Jesus wants, yes, us to not have that kind of fun before it ruins you. We read on. That's where the misunderstanding comes in. Whether it's sex outside of marriage, getting drunk, or doing drugs, sinful fun does something you'd never expect. It contaminates your soul. And that's true. I've been at this for a number of years now. And sinful fun will contaminate your soul. We read on. In your truthful moments, maybe you're filled with a sort of sickening emptiness when it's just you, yourself, you're not with your friends, you're not with your buddies. You don't feel guilty, but every time you look in the mirror, the person you see makes you flinch. You try not to think about it. Maybe, maybe more fun will make that feeling go away. Shouldn't life be one nonstop party? Isn't the goal to enjoy life to the max, to cram in as much fun as you possibly can? Is that the answer? No. Here's the answer you've been looking for. We read on. You see, folks, contrary to what the world believes, fun isn't enough. Whether it's harmless fun or sinful fun, fun doesn't satisfy. Fun is, at its best, temporary entertainment. It has a time limit. It has an expiration date. You can have fun, but at some point you have to stop and you have to return to reality. I like what he says. You're not a little kid anymore. You need something deeper. The answer is that Jesus offers something deeper. And it's called joy. Why pursue the emptiness of fun when you, through Jesus, can experience the reality of true, deep, abiding joy? Joy is different from fun. It's even different from happiness. You see, joy satisfies. Joy perfectly fills the hole that is inside of you where you're no longer lonely. It is what you have been looking for all along. We read on. But there's a catch. Jesus dispenses joy. He creates joy. 
And he's the keeper of joy. You can try to get it somewhere else, but it never works because Jesus is that hole in your soul and only the joy he gives will match it like a key made for its lock. Amen? You believers here this morning ought to be able to testify of that and it ought to be seen of you that you have that joy. Read on. No, Jesus doesn't want to ruin your fun. He wants to give you something infinitely better, himself, and joy with him in heaven for the rest of eternity. So again, in this series this morning, we come across another misconception about Jesus, a major misconception about Jesus, that Jesus wants to ruin all your fun. And I... I would suppose there may be someone here this morning that has believed that. And for that reason, you've chosen not to pursue Jesus, not to accept Jesus, not to become a part of his church. What is the truth about Jesus? We're looking for the real Jesus. Is the real Jesus just a cosmic killjoy, as the world would say? Or is the real Jesus the source of real joy? We've been looking in the book of Colossians for the answer to these questions as to who the real Jesus is. And the reason we are looking in the book of Colossians is because Paul, who wrote to the Colossians this letter that we call the book of Colossians, is explaining to them, the Colossians, who the real Jesus is. Because there had been people that had come into that church and was polluting the idea of Jesus. They were putting forth ideas about Jesus that were not true. So Paul wanted to make sure that they knew who the real Jesus is. And so he writes the book of Colossians. And this morning we're going to look at our third portion of Scripture from this book to see what Paul tells us about Jesus. And one thing will be abundantly evident If you think that Jesus is just a cosmic killjoy, you are horribly and terribly mistaken. No, he is your only hope, your only hope for finding the true joy that you can have in this world. We're looking in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse number 6. Seven points very quickly this morning. Number one, the real Jesus isn't a cosmic killjoy. He's the reason for us to have infinite gratitude and thankfulness. Paul tells us in verses 6 and 7, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Paul is teaching us as born-again believers. He taught the Colossians then. It's been preserved for 2,000 years. So he can teach those of us here at my old Baptist church this morning that with Christ we, have, we should be abounding with thanksgiving. To abound with thanksgiving means you have much to be thankful for. And we believers have so much to be thankful for in Jesus Christ. 
It's Jesus Christ that has delivered us from darkness to daylight, from despair to joy, from aimlessness to purpose in this life. We have much to be thankful for with Jesus. You can't consider someone who's been so good to you as a killjoy. I, you know, I've kept you appraised of the fact that Sharon and I, because of the, the, the work of my parents and their hard work and what they've done and bought some property and they gave it to us three boys and we were able to sell it and we hated to, but we sold it. And it, what, what, what Sharon and I got from the proceeds of that property, we have invested in our home. It, the front part of our house was an original cabin and it, it had its, it had structural issues and we've been able to remodel it and we're so thankful for that. And it's because of the goodness and the kindness of my mom and dad. And we, we are so thankful. My mom was just here and I thanked her several times. I said, mom, I, I, I said, it's you and, and dad. My dad's deceased now. I said, but it's you and dad that, that made this possible. And I want you to know that I didn't work for this. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it, but I'm grateful to you you. We're going to be able to enjoy things that we would not have enjoyed otherwise, but you and dad provided it for us. We are so thankful. Do you think for one second I think of my mom as a killjoy? And we have much more to be thankful for with the Lord. We have so much more. As thankful as I am for my mom and their great generosity and their hard work, I mean, that pales in comparison when, you know, my mom may have allowed us to remodel our house, but Jesus brought me from darkness and blindness to daylight and sight and from despair to joy and from aimlessness in this world to a real purpose. That's not a killjoy. That's someone to be thankful for. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're missing that. You're missing out on that. Number two, the real Jesus isn't a cosmic killjoy. He's the one that makes you complete. Paul teaches us that in Colossians 2. We continue on, verses 8, 9, and 10. Listen to what Paul is telling us 2,000 years ago. He says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That verse, those verses say, ye are complete in him. To be complete in Christ means that something important in your life was missing, but Jesus was the answer to what was missing. Understand, When you were created, you were created by God. And you were created for a relationship with him and fellowship with him. That's the way we are designed. But sin in our lives separates us from a holy and righteous God. And the sin in our lives that separates us from the holy and righteous God means that we're incomplete. That's why people search. That's why people are looking and they they think they're going to find what they want in fast cars or new cars or big houses or the party life or and and some individuals. How how many movie stars, how many wealthy people do we know that had every toy in the world? 
and, and, and have multiple homes around the world and have everything, and then they take their lives. That's an illustration of how we are incomplete. They were searching, they were looking, and they couldn't find it. But we look to Jesus and we find that he completes us. He completes us spiritually. Someone that fills that void and makes you complete. Would you call that person a killjoy? If you do, you are sadly mistaken, my friend. You are sadly deceived. You're believing lies. And the result of that is going to be an eternity separated from God, just not now, but for all eternity. The real Jesus isn't a cosmic killjoy. He is the one that makes you complete. I know why I'm here. I know where I came from. I know where I am going. I am complete in Jesus Christ. You cannot put a price tag on that. I have a reason to live. I have a purpose for live. I I know what it's all about. I get it. I get to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I, I have purpose in my life today, this afternoon, tomorrow, all next week. I'm not just living from weekend to weekend. It's not all about, you know, when are we going to get together and party? I have something far superior to that, and you can have it too. Number three, the real Jesus isn't a cosmic killjoy. He's the one who separates you from sin. Paul talks about Jesus further in verse number 11. In whom, talking about Jesus, also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now listen carefully. Circumcision, as you know, has to do, physical circumcision, has to do with the removal of skin. What this is talking about is spiritual circumcision, which has to do with the removal of sin. And in Jesus Christ, we are circumcised not from skin physically, but from sin spiritually. And that's important because sin is a deadly disease. And Jesus is the only surgeon that can separate you from sin. And that's why he talks about, in verse number 11, putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. When I was a youngster... I injured my left arm, went to the doctor, thought it was a simple break, had it x-rayed, and the doctor, I remember it like it was yesterday, and I was in the fifth grade, I think, maybe sixth grade. And I remember the doctor coming out and telling my dad, you know, you're going to need to go to a specialist. We thought he was just going to take an x-ray, set it, put it in a cast, and we're done. But they found a tumor right here on my left arm. And he said, you're going to have to go see a, a specialist, and we went to see Dr. McMains. He, uh, we, I was under his care for like six years. We'd have to go back and see him. He, he, he operated on me twice, but it was Dr. McMains, and he, just recently, when we were down in Louisiana, my mom saw in the paper that he had passed away. He must have really been old, because he was old when I knew him. <laughs> he seemed old when I was a kid, so he must have really been old, but uh, 
he was just kind of a salty dog surgeon, but you had confidence in him that he knew what he was doing. And there is a, such a warm place in my heart for Dr. McMaines because he, he made it all better. And my mom, I remember my mom being in tears. She was worried. She didn't know what that tumor meant. And thankfully, it was benign. And, but they, they removed it. He came back. They removed it a, 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 another time. And I was under his care until I was in college, I think it was, just to make sure it didn't come back uh, again. But do I think of Dr. McMaines as a killjoy? Are you kidding me? He, he, he took away what threatened my life. He's a hero. Would any of you think of Jesus as a killjoy? He took away the threat to your eternity. Or he can take it away if you don't know him as your Savior. And the only person who can deal with your sin is Jesus Christ? And you think he's a killjoy? He who would, get, who would love you so much as to suffer all the pains of hell on the cross 2,000 years ago? Would you dare label him a killjoy? What's wrong with you? Who's messed up your thinking? Where have you gotten so far off course? You need to get back on track. Number four, the real Jesus isn't a cosmic killjoy. He's the one with whom, with whom we are uniquely united with. Verse number 12, Paul continues, buried with him. We're buried with him? Yeah, in baptism. Wherein also ye are risen with him. Yeah, in, in baptism. Through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, We are uniquely united with him. Jesus, to me, is not someone distant. Jesus is someone that I talk with daily. I have a relationship with him. I I have fellowship with him. Sometimes I can mess it up. He never messes it up. He's always there. He's always the same. You know, God never changes, as the song says. I can backslide, I can have a bad attitude, I can have a bad spirit, I I can sin, but I am united with him. You know, sometimes we may know someone of notoriety, maybe somebody famous, and we're all quick to say, well, I I, I know him. Uh, I can't think of anybody famous I know or knew or might know, but maybe, maybe you knew somebody. Famous, and, and, and you know, and you you just feel good to be able to say, yeah, I knew him. I, I used to go to lunch with him, or I, I met a guy up here that used to fly movie stars around, and uh, he was a pilot. And I was kind of doubting whether that was true or not. And uh, uh, it was it, it was one of Paul Cody's relatives. Julie, you know who I'm talking about? I think he passed away. He used to live out here. Yeah, and, and and I was questioning, you know, did he really? I movie stars around like old movie stars like Steve McQueen, you know the old the old guys, and uh, not that you're old guys. I mean, I'm sure Steve McQueen is way older than any of us. And then I went in his house. And he had pictures on the wall of him, and there's I think John Wayne. See, you know the okay. I can't say old guys, so how am I going to say it? Anyway, we're eager. 
to, to identify with people of notoriety, especially if we think of them in, in, in you know, high acclaim. So, with Jesus, we are buried with him. We are raised with him. We're talking about being identified with God in the flesh. We're talking about having a relationship and, and fellowship with the creator of the world. The, the omnipotent one. The eternal one, he who had no beginning, he who will have no, no end, he, he who can speak and it, and it happens. He who can hear the prayers of every one of us personally when we're all praying to him at the same time. Would you consider somebody like that a, a, a killjoy? Let, 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 let's say, you know, you're, you could claim a relationship with, with someone famous and you're telling everybody about, it, oh, I know him, or I went to school with him or her or whatever. You, you, you know, you don't ever think of them as a killjoy. It, it is just, you know, what's wrong with us to think that Jesus, who rose from the dead, who loves us, how could we possibly think of him as a cosmic killjoy? Number five, the real Jesus isn't a cosmic killjoy. He's the one who makes you truly alive. I see so many people today that are just existing. And they try to add some spice to their life with the parties on the weekend and the drinking and the pursuit of this and the pursuit of that. But really, they're, they're just existing. Paul tells us in verse number 13, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. I'm emphasizing in that verse the phrase, hath he quickened together with him. To be quickened together with him means we have been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life by him. We have been made alive. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, understand you are spiritually dead. You're, you're walking in darkness. You don't see what I see. Not, not that I'm better than you. I'm just saved. You don't know what I know. Not that I know more than you. It's just that I'm blessed to be saved. But the good news is you can know it too. You, you can experience it as well. You can be made alive. When I became a born-again Christian as a young boy down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I went from darkness to light. I, I began to understand things that I didn't understand before. Life took on greater meaning, greater purpose, greater understanding. I was made alive. It's so encouraging to see things be brought back to, to life. Uh, I mentioned a while ago that we've done some remodeling in, in our house. And um, one of the things Sharon has gotten into is uh, chalk painting. And um, that's real popular these days. And she wanted to get a different uh, dining room table in our house. So she went out one day and at a Goodwill store, bought a $20 table, and it's not a solid oak table, but it's got an oak veneer top, and she wanted to refinish that in its natural oak color and wanted to paint the base of it and the legs white with a, 
what do you call it, distressed look. Yeah, my brother was here the other day. And, you know, you know what distressed look is? You know, it's not perfect paint. You, got, you know, my brother came up and said, you need to give Sharon some painting lessons. That's that pitiful. She, she missed a spot there and there's a spot there. But she brought that table to life. A $20 table, she told me the other day, she's got more money invested in the paint than she does in the table. But it's brought back to life, and it has, and it has a story. You know, and I told her, and we had a nice table to begin with. But I like this table better because it's got a story, and, and Sharon's been in, involved with it. She, she brought it to life, you know, and it's, it's all good. And so it is when Jesus brings us back to life, when Jesus is rescuing the perishing, who would dare think of him as a killjoy? But there may be some people here this morning who have thought that. I don't want to be a Christian. I for sure don't want to be a Baptist. You know, you people don't have any fun whatsoever. Folks, we have more than our share of fun as well. But we don't have to feel guilty about it. We, we, we don't have to con- confess it. Number six, the real Jesus isn't a cosmic killjoy. He's the one that freed you from a death sentence in hell. Paul goes on to say in the next verse, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. This means Jesus did away with our sins, that he paid for our sins. There's been a few times, not a lot, but there's been a few times that here, maybe at a local restaurant, I was in there and or Sharon and I, or me with somebody from the church, and I get ready to leave, and someone says, well, you know, somebody took care of your bill. Somebody was in there, I guess, that saw me or whatever, and, and they took care of it. You know, I never one time thought, that killed joy. <laughs> I just ruined my day. I got a $20 bill here that I was so looking forward to paying. Now what am I going to do with that $20, you know? Jesus blots out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. That's a killjoy? You're going to call, you, you have the nerve to call him a killjoy? If I could respectfully ask it one more time, what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, what? You know? Lastly. The real Jesus isn't a cosmic killjoy. He's the victor over all your enemies. Again, Paul is dealing with these Colossians. People have come into that church and said, no, this is, this is Jesus. This is how you're supposed to think about Jesus. And they were introducing error into that church. So Paul writes this letter. And he says, no, let me set the record straight. Here's the real Jesus. And in verse number 15, he says this about Jesus. And having spoiled principalities, in other words, gotten victory over principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing uh, over them in it. He is the victor. He is the triumphant one over all principalities, over all powers. That means there is no enemy on this earth of his or of you that he doesn't have victory over. 
We, we, we sleep better at night because of our military. We all want a strong military that can handle any, any adversary that might come our way. And with a strong military, we hope that that would deter anybody from doing something stupid. And we sleep better at night knowing that we have uh, th- this, this military uh, watching over us. And folks, not only are there nations and groups of people that pose a threat to this nation... But there are forces, there are obstacles out there that pose a threat to you. And without Jesus' help, you could be a victim, because we see that all the time with people in our families, people in our communities that are victims. The enemy may be alcohol. The enemy may be drugs. The enemy may be pride. The enemy may be just any kind of addiction or worldliness or or immorality. But there is one who gives us the victory, who has the capacity to give us the victory over anything that comes against us. And that's Jesus. Triumphing over them in it. And having spoiled, gained victory over principalities and powers. I don't see our military as a killjoy. I am grateful for the United States military. And I certainly don't see Jesus as a killjoy for protecting me, protecting my children, protecting my grandchildren, family members and friends who know him as their savior. If you think of Jesus as a cosmic killjoy, As the author of that article says, many people do today. You could not be more wrong. This final quote. God is not a killjoy. He's the creator of joy. His spirit produces it in our lives. Because he is the source of joy, any pursuit of pleasure apart from God is idolatry. For our own well-being, God opposes our grasping after the worldly temporary joy that sin promises. Sometimes we must put aside instant gratification in order to invest in the greater joy of God's kingdom. Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Don't miss out on that, folks. Don't miss out on that. Do not believe a lie that will keep you from Jesus. The lie being that Jesus is simply a cosmic killjoy. That is a lie, and to believe that is to condemn your soul forever. Do what many, if not most of the people in this room have done at one point in time in their lives. They got over that. Maybe most of us in this room that are saved at one time were like you. I don't know, but I can't speak for everybody, but there's a good probability that most people in this room at one time maybe thought like you do. That, you know, I, I don't want to be a part of no church. I don't want to be no part of no Baptist church for sure. Because you got to go there, you got to be a stick in the mud, you, you got to be a prude. No, we found the greatest source of joy in the world, the only source of true joy in the world. You would never consider somebody that rescued from a, you from a burning building, you wouldn't consider them a killjoy. You wouldn't consider someone that has all the wealth in the world that was your friend to be a killjoy. 
You wouldn't consider being friends with the wisest man in the world. You certainly wouldn't consider that person a killjoy. But yet there's people that do that. I hope that's not you. Maybe up until this point you have thought that way, but the Lord has spoke to your heart this morning, and you realize by his, the graciousness of his Holy Spirit that you've been wrong, and you've been missing the true joy that comes through knowing Christ as your Savior. This morning, I trust you'll accept Christ as your Savior this morning and find the joy that you will never find in a bottle or in a package of cigarettes or in fast cars, fast women, good-looking men or whatever. You're just not going to find it there. There's only one place where you will find the key that matches the hole in your heart, and that's Jesus Christ. As we stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes.